2: In that case, I pronounce you lucky.
0: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Come on! Go! Hey guys, welcome to the Tapping Go. My name is Matt.
2: My name is Freddie. Each week we bring you your rugby fix with interviews with past and present rugby professionals. We get their views on the latest sporting issues.
0: Today, we are very lucky to have a World Cup winner, the brains behind the 2003 England squad and true rugby legend, Sir Clive Woodward. Sir Clive, how are you doing today?
1: Thank you, Matt. And uh, good morning or good afternoon, everybody. And it's a real pleasure to be with you. And uh, I've always got great fond uh, kind of memories of Eton School. I've been there many times as a, as a, as a kind of coach and also done quite a bit of work there. So it's very nice to be part of your podcast this morning
2: of course yeah so thank you very much for joining us so i think we could start off is just how have you found quarantine how have you it's, people interested to see how you've been keeping busy
1: yeah I've, uh, it's it, it is what it, it is what it is i think you know it's it's it sounds a bit strange but you've got to try and make the most of it i mean yeah. the, the the big thing to me was um and we're still in quarantine i'm still working from home but i'm involved in quite a few businesses which we've been able to kind of keep going and Zoom calls have been kind of uh, pretty impressive, to be honest. And you know, I think before before this, Freddie, the um, um, you know, conference calls are always I always envisioned conference calls in pretty flash boardrooms, and you were sort of conferencing people in New York and Mumbai and all this stuff. But I think this has been the big learning where you're able to do things like this. Um, I've had loads of meeting every day with people around the world on on Zoom on Zoom calls. So this has helped Tuesday. I think this will be this what this won't go go away i think you know the the old-fashioned phone call when you're doing business and talking to people it's kind of history now so there's been a lot of good learning mm. so and to answer your question just case of every every day kind of planning your day your time management for days you just don't drift in yep. you know trying to keep fit as delighted when the golf course is open but also just um just trying to keep busy and just planning your day properly and and try trying to stay reasonably fit as well which is a big, mm. big ask but um once once I've enjoyed it, but I've also kind of looked back at it and said, well, I didn't waste that couple of months mm. where I've just sat at home. So I've done had to do quite a bit of work as well, which was which was good.
2: Yeah. OK, so we're focused more on rugby now. So, one thing which obviously Covid has resulted in is there's going to have to be some changes made to the rugby calendar and more like how rugby is going to be played. Because obviously we've missed a lot, firstly. Um, so, what are your thoughts on? So, there's talk of trying to align the Southern Hemisphere and the Northern Hemisphere into one big rugby calendar.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's there's lots of talk. I, I think I think it's again. I, I've been using in all my business talk and sports terms. When reset, I think resets a great word at the moment, where everyone's got to just sort of sit back, see what's happening, and and the game has got to reset. I think rugby is obviously in a very strong position. If you watch you know the, the World Cup and the Six Nations, it's still a great game which we all love. But I I, I do think it's 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 kind of this um, pandemic has kind of highlighted a few real kind of weaknesses of the game as well. And, and I think, you know, we've always spoken about the northern hemisphere and southern hemisphere being aligned. Um, and they're not. And, and they would be a far better game if they if they were. Think of football, you know, the whole the whole football world, soccer world seems to run really well. It's well governed. There's no northern southern hemisphere where rugby's just been stuck by this. So I generally believe, I hope, you know, Bill Bowman's now the, the chairman for four more years I I really hope under his chairmanship these next four years they can align the calendar, and we have this one global game. It uh, will help hugely because at the moment, you know, it's it's not it's it's not benefiting the, the whole whole game. So I think there should be an aligned season, north and south, we should all play at the same time, uh, and it can be done. Um, it's just politically never happened because everyone's looked after their own patches. Where I think now everyone's got to take a broader view and really try and align, align the world game and you know and I think that can happen now because I think this has pushed everyone into a corner and I think there's a big chance it will
0: happen. yeah Yeah, for sure. So I guess sort of on this topic of rugby and just going back. So when you first started with the England rugby, um sort of uh, being the head coach, it was still well, nineteen ninety five was when rugby became professional, but it was still sort of almost had that flavor of sort of amateur and it wasn't quite sort of that elite professional sort of setup that became by the end of two thousand three. What was sort of the um how do you make sure that the England rugby sort of became effective and efficient when you first came in? Sort of, what changes did you make?
1: I was kind of, I mean, I've always regarded myself as really lucky. I was, you know, I, I kind of I played for England, played for the Lions, but in the kind of the amateur days. And I've got to stress to all your listeners, it really was amateur. It's, you know, it's like you, you and me playing golf, Matt. Where <laughs> we're amateurs. We, we, we did it for fun. We did, there was no money involved. Um, and we all had our careers, business careers. You know, I play for England, but I'm playing with teachers, scaffolders, brickies. You know, everyone's got a full time job. We we played for England in front of seventy five thousand people. Then, a bit like we just talked about now, a, a big seismic change. The game went from amateur to professional, and it really was. You know, I don't know how old you guys would have been in ninety five, but ninety six happened, But you know, not born, and if you're not <laughs> even born. Then, you know, you're not even born. So. um You know, it it just went from amateur game to professional game, literally overnight, and we're all caught pretty pretty cold by it, because certainly in England, we weren't expecting that to happen, but the game suddenly went from amateur to professional. No one kind of understood what it meant, but for whatever reason, I got the the first full-time professional coaching job. So, you know, I was was running my own businesses. I was obviously coaching at the time, but coaching at amateur level. And it was a seismic change. Make no bones about that. And i would always said, England were the great amateurs. We were more amateur than anybody else. You know, we, we just absolutely did it for fun and that reflected on the field of play. We weren't that good, you know. But suddenly the game goes professional. You look at England as a, as a rugby country, you know, we've got more players, we've got more money, more wealth. You know, my view was very, very straightforward. Well, you know, whilst we're the great amateurs, we're now going to be the great professionals. We're going to be more professional than anybody else in the world. We're going to have no excuses anymore for taking on New Zealand and South Coast Australia, which we can never beat before. You know, so I was dead lucky. I was the first person in, you know, and I had every chance. I was just literally on my own. I was through any person. I was the first full-time coach. So I started to build my team of people. Like any business, it takes some time. So I start new start company. But you just start to, 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 you know, and then you start to get the players, you know, and I think that also what I was lucky, because I played for England, I, I could eyeball players. Um, if You know, it's really eyeball even these tough nut players and say, you know, you've got a chance of a lifetime now. You're full-time. You've got an opportunity that I never had because I couldn't do this full time. I'd love to be a professional rugby player in that short period of your life. And my job is to make sure they really understand this will go very quickly. When you play for England, you tend to go on forever. It doesn't, it's a very small part of your life. And let's not waste it. So we went, and we really started to become, as I said, really professional in everything we did. I started to hire some amazing coaches, put a shoe stall on fitness. You know, we were never ever fitness or, or fit or strong enough or powerful enough. You know, it took time. So I, I, I came in in '97. Um, you know, I was happy with the first few years. We had a World Cup in '99. We got beat in the quarterfinals. Everyone's trying to fire you and sack you because you've just lost in the quarterfinals. But we, we could kind of still building. Then between '99 and 2003, um, they were just probably the best four years ever in English English rugby. You know, we just. Everything we put in place started got to come to fruition. And, you know, by whatever reasons, we arrived at 2003 as a favourites to win. We're the number one ranked team in the world and favourites to win. Because we just put in behind the scenes all the professionalism. The players were brilliant. And the, the biggest thing was just taking on board. This is a real small chance. Unless you're absolutely dedicated and if anything gets in your way or distracts you, you're not going to win the team. You know, and people like Lawrence Aladio, Martin Johnson, Johnny Wilkinson, I mean, Jason Robinson, I can name all of them. They were just fantastic, you know. I saw what they did on the pitch, but i also saw what they did outside the pitch. I saw their bodies change, their fitness change, their whole mentality change, and you know, and it can it can it can happen. It's just building building any, any business. You need people. You and you, you need strong people. But you need people with a real passion of what they're doing. With no kind of bullshit, no kind of you know no if only is just throw it in the kitchen sink at something, and that's what we did. And you know, I was very fortunate that I was the person who was kind of headed the whole thing up, but. um you know, you, you need great players with the right mindset to actually follow this whole whole thing through.
2: Yeah. And um, so, two thousand three was obviously an incredible year. Not just the World Cup, but you won the Grand Slam, Six Nations, and you also beat New Zealand for the first time since nineteen seventy three. Um, but going to New Zealand for the World Cup, do you not find that was quite a big risk? But obviously, you won. And so, what also? What impact did that then have on the squad?
1: Yeah, it was. It was a kind of a risk. It's you know, everything's about risk. You know, walking outdoors is a risk. Um, it was only a risk because we got some people injured. Um, and I, I kind of thought it, it, thought it through, but you know, it was. It wasn't just New Zealand. We went to we went to play um, a test match in New Zealand. We went to play a test match in Australia. I mean, Australia with the team. We ended up playing in the final a few months later. So we went to down to New Zealand. Uh, we played a test match. We played the Maoris. Um, it was just if you think about it, we got a World Cup starting in September. We went to New Zealand Australia in June and I decided we we're going to go full on. We we're going to absolutely, you know, we're number one rack team in the world. We haven't beaten New Zealand down there since, whenever you said, fairly a long time ago. We never won in Australia. England never won a game in Australia. When you think of it, it's ridiculous. We've never beaten Australia, ever, in Australia. Um, and I went f- full on and we went down there and we won. We went to New Zealand and beat New Zealand in, in, in Wellington. Um, and you look back now, that's one of the, probably, the highlights of my whole coaching career to actually go to New Zealand and win not many coaches can actually say they've ever done that in fact I can't even think of many at all to actually go to New Zealand and win a test match a few months before the, and it just said shockwaves to New Zealand it was hilarious to be there you, you think the country just sank I mean mm. they were absolutely shocked not just by losing but by the quality of our team because they saw it firsthand they saw it in, against the Maoris they saw it in the test match so you beat New Zealand and then you fly over to S- Sydney and I'm playing against uh, Eddie Jones' team, who are kind of you know had a lot to say for themselves at the time. So that was all good fun as well. So we we, we beat beat Australia even even more than we beat New Zealand, you know. And I generally believe it, you know, we got and we got no injuries, we came through it strong. Everyone absolutely agreed this was the right thing to do then because we, we got we got away with it. But I was confident, you know, even if we got an injury, you know, I, I guess if we'd lost Martin Johnson or Johnny Wilkinson, that would have been a big setback. But you know, everyone wanted to go. And I think that set the World Cup up. You know, by going there and proving we could beat those two teams, that meant we arrived as number one ranked team in the world, favourites to win the World Cup. And I just think favourites tend to tend to win. So was it a risk? It's certainly outside, yes, from my point of view, no. If if your goal is to win the World Cup, and that's what it was. It was the absolute perfect, you know, I'd rather found out any glitches, any weaknesses we had going, going to their place than actually sitting at home thinking pretty good about ourselves and not actually having the, the kind of bottle to test ourselves. So, you know, and I get, you know, it's one of my one of my best kind of ever memories. You know, winning in New Zealand is 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 a precious man. That's the biggest comment I can play in New Zealand. I love the New Zealand rugby. I love what they stand for, their culture, everything, I love everything about New Zealand rugby. That's why to go and win there is massive, because it's just huge respect. And I paid them the ultimate respect by taking my full team there. And I wanted to do that. And I thought that, that's what won the World Cup at the end of think.
0: Would you say that's sort of one of the biggest differences that sort of made your 2003 campaign a success in your 1999 campaign, less so, because before the World Cup in 1999, you played, was it America and Canada?
1: Yeah, yeah, possibly. But no, I, in 1999, we just weren't ready, Matt. Okay. It's you know, you know, as simple as that. I mean, the game went professional in ninety seven. We were so far behind the Southern Hemisphere just in terms of our mindset, our physique, our fitness. You can't catch it up that quick. And it wasn't even two years. It's probably about, you know, I was putting in the job about 16, 17 months, about a year and a half. And then you play in New Zealand. We were way behind. You know, there's no way we could have won the World Cup in 1990. It was just impossible to do. We, we weren't as good as the teams. But what we did realise after the night, you know, we have the players. There's no doubt we've got the players. We always have had the way. England have got more players than anybody else. We've always had the players to, to be anyone in the world. Um, we always will have because we've got more numbers. Um, but we were just so far behind in the way we played the game, the the way we actually played, the pace we played out, the fitness. And to me, it was just so exciting because right, as long as I wasn't going to get fired, which few people wanted me fired in '99. Um, to get through all that sort of nonsense, as long as you got fit enough and you got all the players with you, um, you know. And the players were so excited. You know, we're obviously disappointed to lose. 99, the quarterfinals but everyone just said okay fine you know what we're going to do now we've got four years and we did it i mean i think the next that four years between 99 and 2003 we played something like 50 games of rugby 50 test matches and won 46. i mean the win-loss ratio was just astonishing we beat the sun hemisphere 14 times in a row home and away we didn't lose a an hemisphere team between between those world cups so when time time we ride the World Cup, including the games we just spoke about, you're just in a great shape. And I've often said to myself, if we'd not won in 2003, I'm not sure how it how it turned out. I don't think I'd have been a very nice person because <laughs> to actually do all that work to arrive at favourites to win and then not win, and then we just won by the you know a hair's breadth with one drop goal it was quite scary, really. Uh, but we did win, and that's what it's all about.
2: You talked there about being your betting favourites, world number ones. Did this have any effect on the squad? Did it create any complacency, or did, did the players? No, I think,
1: think I think I think the opposite. I, I I just as I said before, Freddie, I think favourites. I think when you favourites, the pressure mounts. I think in professional sport, uh, uh, including, including rugby, your pressure's good. Mm-hmm. Meaning, you know, the bigger the game, the more pressure you're under. Um, when you're lucky enough to know. Martin Johnson, Wilkinson, they love pressure. They don't want to play in a, in a game, they're gonna win by 40-50 points. They wanna win a game that's 50, they want to play in a game to 50-50. A lot of people are saying they're gonna lose. They they want the pressure, that's why you that's why you do it. So to arrive at the World Cup as favourites, the pressure was enormous. And I built that up, I made no bones about it. I I built the pressure up. I said, someone's gotta beat us. You know, we're number one team, someone's gotta be beat, beat this team. I was doing it for a reason. I wasn't doing it by trying to be a smart arse or trying to say clever things. I was just doing it because I just knew these players. The more pressure you put them under, the better they played. My worry was when you played, you know, a team we were supposed to be and we weren't quite there mentally. That's when my my worry set in. The top players love World Cup finals. They love Olympic games. They love that moment in time where you go test yourselves. And so we built it up. So I, I made no bones about it. I, I went on the front foot and said. You know, someone's got to beat us. We're number one team in the world. Someone's got to beat us to win the World Cup, and no one, no one did.
0: Yeah. yeah. So, in the World Cup, so the quarterfinals, you played Wales, and I guess it didn't go as smoothly as all your other games. What sort of impact did that have on the team? Was there any doubt, or was there just after that match you just put it behind and moved on?
1: No, as I said before, that was that was the worry. I mean, we were red hot favourites to beat Wales. Um, but they were a really good team. They're coached by Steve Hanson, who's the all blacks who went on to coach the All Blacks. Great guy, great coach. Wales are a really good team, but we haven't lost for Wales for a few years. And we, we played them in a friendly in, in August. Um and put fifty points on them with our second team. And you know, is that, that week you know, one of my favourite ever games was going to New Zealand and winning. One of my worst ever games was that Wales quarter because all week you just knew we weren't there. Because everyone was thought it's a foregone conclusion, and, it, and it, it can it can happen, and that is a nightmare for a coach because no matter what you say, what you do, you just knew we weren't in the, we weren't. Uh, you know, there was no fear factor. Everyone thought it was going to win, including the players, including, and, and and it and it was just awful. And that first half against Wales, they absolutely smashed us. You know, we we've gone in losing, whatever it was. I think we're ten 10-3 down at half time or something. And that, you know, that half time was my biggest ever half time in terms of you know, chucking teacups around and saying the right things because, you know, we're going home. We're, we're going home to be ridiculed. You know, our life will never be the same again. If we'd lost to Wales, you know, in the, in the quarterfinals, of the World Cup, when favourites to win it, I'd I, I say, well, we'll put this way, I won't be chatting to you two guys this afternoon here. You know? So, your whole life changes at one moment in time. And we get through it, but that's again, as a champion team, we are under massive pressure then, Matt, in that second half, and we played really well in the second half and we ended up winning the game reasonably well, but, Um, You know, what happens in World Cups, you you never, there's always going to be that one couple of games. We played Samoa, we played Western Samoa, and we could have lost that game because, again, you know, they were really good. Pat Lamb, there's all these great players in in their their team. And suddenly, it's a World Cup and it's still 15 against 15, and uh, that that was almost an upset. So, to be honest, throughout that World Cup, we didn't play. We played okay. The best game in the World Cup was the semi-final. We played France in the semi-final and we we smashed them. We absolutely obliterated France and that was our best game in terms of you know if you're marking it from the technical point of view and how we how we won the game. And that was because we had that big scare against Wales in the quarterfinals. We're now playing France. France had obliterated Ireland in the quarter in their quarterfinal. Everyone thought France would win this game. So suddenly everyone's building up France and Gautier and all these guys in their team and all these. <laughs> And we were just brilliant that game. That was the best. And I didn't need to even speak that week. You know, everyone you see, everyone was just so focused because we knew we had a better team than France, and that was our, our best game.
2: Yeah. So going into the final, going to any World Cup match, you don't. Did you plan for extra time? Did you anticipate it? Had you done some form of training to create some sort of like system where you knew you'd do this if it, if it got Yeah, we so far.
1: Yeah, we we took, we spoke about it. We spoke. You know, every every all those knockout games go to extra time. You know and. Um, I'd know you know I'd played loads of times for England and the Lions, but I'd never ever played or coached a team in extra time ever.
0: Mm.
1: You know, in in '99 World Cup, nothing went to extra time, so we didn't make the you know the the, the quarter quarterfinals, semi-finals, can go to this. But yeah, we spoke about it for sure. And also as a coach, you got to you've got to prepare kind of mentally for this. I mean, we got to kind of you know what all this kind of what if scenarios. So yeah, I had it, I had it sort of written down everything kind of what if what if what if what if and. Especially when you're making substitutes in terms of yeah. this sort of stuff. And what I'm most proud about in that in that final, it's interesting today when you watch rugby when, you know, all the benches get unloaded, everybody's on the pitch. Um, you know, we 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 went to a World Cup, played thirty minutes extra time. When the final whistle went, we still had four players on the bench. So it was me having to not panic and thinking, well, it's extra time, we need fresh legs on, all this stuff. We didn't need fresh legs on. The team was so fit. And if anyone was, anyone was injured, you yeah, obviously coming off. If anyone was playing badly, they're coming off. But we only put three subs on out of, out of seven. You know, left four on the bench. So I could have, you know, a lot of, I remember, you know, people talking to me during that period saying, get him on, get him on. You know, these are my other other kind of coaches. So think about putting him on. And I'm really pleased I didn't, you know. I'm, I'm Looking back now, I've analysed my own performance during that game, especially the extra time. Did we make the right subs? Absolutely. You know, I not, didn't panic under the pressure to put you know, the fresh legs on because we weren't tired. It wasn't a tiring game. We were the fittest team, and in in you know, if that's your best starting number nine, if Matt Dawson gets picked at nine to start for England, why are you going to take him off? You know, yeah, in, exactly. in the extra time. And I see so many teams today, and it frustrates the hell out of me to be honest. And I don't know if it happens in, in your teams, but you know, the coaches just putting the bench on just to almost give them a game. There's no reason to put them on. I think it's a real. It's a real negative of rugby at the moment where, you know, even international level, you know, you see it with 20 minutes ago, the props go off and everyone, you know, and I think it's ruining the game in many respects. And I think if you're on the bench, you're on the bench. Simple, simple as that. You shouldn't expect to come on or be told you're definitely going to come on. So I, I don't agree with, um, I think it's Eddie Jones scoring this phrase, you know, starters and finishers. I really don't like that. You know, yeah. I want to be a starter and you, you name me somebody who wants to be on the bench, I'll, I'll, I'll name that person. Who, a loser, you know, if you want to be on the bench, you're not a winner. You know, no one should want to be on the bench in rugby. You want to be starting a game one to 15 and staying on the field. And almost you see players coming off the field, almost seem happy they're coming off. And to me, I'd be going nuts if I was taken off the pitch as a, as a rugby player, I'm a coach.
2: Yeah, so obviously, you weren't just a coach of England, but you then went onto the Lions. Um, what would you say was like, did you have to change your coaching the way you coached for each side?
1: Yeah, listen, the, the, Lions, the Lions. I mean, I, I played for the Lions and went on two Lions tours as a player in South Africa in 1980 and New Zealand in '83. So I kind of love the Lions, but you know, it, it was I was probably it was probably a mistake. I, I was, you know, I was asked to coach the Lions. I didn't apply for the job. I really struggled with struggle the Lions, to be honest, because I've always you know my, my big thing was coaching England. I didn't see the Lions as a step up to me, and I was asked to coach the Lions because we won the World Cup. So I, I did it. I, I did my did my best at it, but looking back now the way the way i do things uh, the way i kind of build teams it's a very different skill set needed you know i've got massive massive respect for gatland especially and ian McGeek these these because it's a very challenging thing and you know i'm kind of very english and that you know you spend all the years trying to knock the heads off these guys and suddenly you're trying to coach them you're know, in your team they're all part of your team so i kind of I kind of enjoyed it in a perverse way, but we went down there. We got beat, and we got beat by a really top New Zealand team in two thousand five. You know, um, Carter was just coming in the team. You know, all these amazing players. They're, they're a great team, and we we had a team that just wasn't good enough. Would I've done much differently? No. Um, but it's you know, it's kind of a it's kind of an eight-week challenge. It's a totally different, you know, building a team takes time, and suddenly you're given this challenge with a huge kind of pressure on you to actually take on the number one team in the world in New Zealand. And I, I just, I just, I didn't, I mean, I didn't struggle with it. I just didn't enjoy it. Meaning I, I kind of enjoyed the experience of doing it, but I didn't enjoy it thinking, wow, that was an amazing experience. I just kind of thought yeah, this is, all the odds were stacked against us here. And, you know, you can still win, which, which has been proven, but um, it was it was a tough, tough time in many, many ways. But, you know, that those that's what's, that's life.
0: Well, how did you sort of in training sort of merge all the players so that they didn't have any um, sort of conflict, or not not directly, but sort of friction between the countries, four countries?
1: Yeah, you, you just kind of, I never had that. I mean, I think everyone comes in knowing it's different. You, you know, these, yeah. these players are all are all glad to get picked for the Lions. It's a huge honour for them. And we had no, we, off the pitch play, were, unless, unless you can tell me differently, off the pitch play was fine. We had no issues with anybody. But, you know, selection is really tough. You know, just imagine, I'm, you know, I'm I'm, coach, I'm a coach of England. just won a World Cup. I've been to New Zealand and won, one. So there's nothing about going to New Zealand worried me. I've been to Techno in New Zealand. I was the one coach who actually done that. So nothing worried me about it. It was, it was just, you know, injuries came in. The first test, you know, Driscoll lasted 30 seconds. The captain gets dumped on his head. Gets his shoulder dislocated. You know, so just everything just didn't go our way. And you can make as many excuses as you want. And I've got an armful of excuses. At the end of the day, we got beat by a better team. Um, and I don't think, to be totally honest, could I have done anything differently? No. I don't think I've done anything that much differently. You know, and, and you kind of can live with it because, you know, I threw the kitchen sink at it. And maybe if, if I'm being really critical of myself, I played did too much. I kind of tried to get everything I did with England over some <laughs> five or six year period into around eight weeks. And, and if players didn't know me, understand me, which obviously the Welsh, Irish and Scots players didn't know that. I think they struggled with it a bit. And, you know, and then you know, Martin Johnson's retired. Johnny was injured. Lawrence is injured. <laughs> all, all English players aren't, aren't in, the, in, the, in the actual team. So, you know, when, when you when you take the Lions job on, which I did in Whenever 2004, like us all, I've got my team written down. You know, I've got, you know, I've got my English players who are automatic, you know, Johnson, DeLalio, Wilkinson, and then I've added in... Paul O'Connell and Driscoll and, you know, probably Gavin Henson from, from Wales. And you got, you go wow, that's the team can win in New Zealand. So I went there going, we can beat in New Zealand. Of course, then when i write my first team out, two, three years later, it's nothing like that team. you Just everything <laughs> hasn't changed. And it, it's, uh, I often say to coaches, you know, it's, it's amazing how good a coach you become when you've got a full, full strength team. Um, and it's, um, in 2003, I was, you know, when we played that World Cup final, I've got my absolute full strength team. Not a single player is is not there through injury or anything. So you get a bit of luck, but I think you get luck because you, you train properly. You don't get injuries. And then when I've announced my full on my side to play against New Zealand in 2005, it was, it was it was nothing like what I was envisaging the team would be. And you need you need that. We didn't have that, so you, you can talk about that. But you know, I, I threw my kitchen sink at it. It just didn't happen, and we we got beaten. Yeah. But also the, the history of the Lions. I think before, before, certainly in 2005, we'd been there 11 times and lost 10. So, I wasn't exactly changing the the, the kind of the the, Not exactly the way around. It wasn't a big upset. So, we went there and got beat. Um, But, you know, it's one of those things.
2: So, obviously, Eddie Jones' side this year almost went as far as you guys in 2003. Um, Where do you think that they really failed? Where did they in the final? What went wrong, in your opinion? Yeah, I, I, I...
1: yeah, I think you know I was there. Obviously, I was there working for the TV. I was there with ITV. Um, it was really, and I still it's still not really been explained, and I, that's why I, my, my one criticism of, of Eddie in the RFU that they've not really sat down and tried to explain what happened, because the semi-final game against New Zealand was, and I can say this categorically, probably the best I've ever seen an England team play. I mean, that was a strong New Zealand team. Who were favourites to win that game. And being in being in, and as I tried to say to you before, you know, it's interesting because you know, New Zealand were favourites to win in that England team, which is a really good England team, make no bounds about it. That that team, in terms of the talent from you know, Marrow, um, Farrell, these guys. I mean, it was an amazing team. And they were full strength. That you know, there was no injuries, everyone was there. And but you just felt good that week because having to experience this, you just felt this England going to play well this weekend because there's a real fear factor, you know. This was, yeah. You know, and you get a team of players who've been kind of written off not written off, but sort of said, you know, New Zealand are going to win this by 20 points. And I asked the England, England win this because we got a good team here, yeah. and it was just fantastic. And to watch them play was just brilliant. I mean, when it was, you know, I. I won't put it as up as good as the 2003 <laughs> stuff, but it was it was close, and it was great to be there, great to be English, and it was just amazing. And you thought everything was, and all week you feel this edge. Then what happens the next week? You, to just a complete reverse, and you just felt, you know, and, and um South Africa played awful in their semi-final against Wales and scraped through, and Wales could have won that game. So South Africa made the final. And England have just blitzed this New Zealand team, which doesn't really happen ever in anyone's lifetime. Everyone's saying it's the best ever performance of any English team, any sport. And so suddenly, then that last week, I mean, I'm in Japan, I can just feel this. Everyone's going around, it's 20 points, 30 points. This, You know, this, And you can just feel, and this, I've got no doubt, somehow got into the heads of the England team and the coach. They got into it. And it's a bit like what I explained before our game against Wales in the quarterfinals in two thousand and three. Once that's in your heads, oof, that is a not a good place to be, and, you know. And I just saw some stuff all through all through the week, and I'm going to, and I'm writing in the Daily Mail, in, my, in the in where I do a column for. I'm just kidding to everyone, guys, for, for goodness' sake, everyone just smell the coffee here. This will be a close game. On the, on the morning of the game, I said, "Hang on to your seats, guys. This will go to the Y. This will go to the Y. And I was actually proved not even right because didn't even go to the wire. We got smashed, you know, mm. when you're watching the game, and that's the most disappointing thing. If we'd lost 29-30 in a brilliant final, and they dropped a goal in extra time and all this sort of stuff, I'd have gone great. that's that can happen, mm. but to go and not fire a shot in the World Cup final when you're red hot favourites to win, that's still not been explained. I can't explain it because I'm not close enough to it. I just you just you could just see. So my, I, and I, my personal view, there's a lot of distractions came into that team that week and they allowed themselves yeah. to be distracted. And that can happen so, so closely. You know, I had this great job with the Team GB, with the, the Olympics. And, you know, my experience was just to say the same thing. You know, when, when you make, if you're an athlete in the Olympics, just to keep and so, so understand this, you know, and you're a successful athlete and you make an Olympic final, the distractions are huge. From the media, from parents, from friends, everyone's suddenly your best friend. Everyone wants to get close to you. Everyone's trying to. If you get distracted, and and the people you're competing with do not get distracted, you can get beat. This is what happens. Mm. This is why favorites lose. And it happened to England. It's never been explained. And I, I, you know, I was in the I was in the studio with Brian Habana and Johnny Wilkinson, and, the, and we, after ten minutes we started off, and I can see now Billy in a has passed the ball behind. Farrell, the ball's gone down. We started so badly. And after mm. 10 minutes, I've, I've said to Barnabano, this is... I'm, I am pleased what I've written the paper because I've said, this is, this is not going to be a 20-point game. This is going to be close. And all I know, all week's time, I think there's just so much confidence. And there's so much stuff in the papers. In, in Japan, it was reported that England had already organised a victory parade in um, Trafalgar Square for the Tuesday After World Cup. And if, if you know these South African players... You know, that would, would have, that would have been on the team room wall, massive, mm-hmm. about Wednesday. Yeah. And you, South, Africans, just see them, these massive big lumps in South Africa, just sharpening their studs, going, okay, let's wait till Saturday. And you heard nothing from South Africans all week. They were like, even not, people even didn't interview them. And it was all about England and how much they're going to win. And, and it was just awful to see. And because, you know, I, I just know if, if we'd lost in 2003 and not fired a shot, I just couldn't have, I don't know what I'd have done, because, I I, I don't know what I'd have done, it's just been the most awful thing, so you know, that's going to take some recovering, from those guys, because they know, they should have won the World Cup final, and they didn't, it's never been really explained, because no one really knows, what happened behind the scenes, because there's been no kind of, proper inquiry into it.
2: I suppose the one good thing, is it's a very young English team, so they've got 2023 to almost, try No, you're right, you can always,
1: it's a a good point, the answer is yes, Um, a lot of that team will be there, uh, I just hope they're hurting. Um, it's a long time to wait four years. But be very, very clear, I'm, I'm involved. I, I do a lot of stuff in France now. I, I'm part of a ski academy in the south of France. There's going to be one special French team coming out in four years' time as well. I've seen the quality mm, yeah. of their players. They're playing at home. You know, France, I have this big France. I love, I love French rugby, as you probably tell. I love French rugby. Um, France's got a great team. They've got their coaching sorted out. They're also yeah. hurting from, from Japan. They're playing at home. You know, I went to see them win World Cup finals in football in in, in France. These France are a good rugby nation. So you add on, to, you had France playing at home, to, and then they just beat England in the Six Nations in, in Paris. Uh, and the French have no fear of England. That's the other thing. There's, there'll be no fear factor of England coming from, from France. So they're going to be, to me, probably the favourites for the World Cup. Mm. Then South Africa are going to be there. Their, their, their team was was pretty young. With, well, they won the World Cup, so they're going to get better and better. So they're going to be strong. So you can say England are going to be strong. Yeah, we're going to be a team. But, you know, that was their chance. You don't get many chances in life where for whatever reason, you know, they um, they, they, they 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 make the World Cup final. They're red-up favourites. You don't win it. That's going to take some getting over. And also the selection of the team with England got so many good players. And they really have got a lot of really yeah, good players. Definitely. So hmm. England, of course, they're going to be right there in, in 2000 and whatever it is in four years' time, three years' time, whatever it is now. But make no bones about it, other teams will be there as well, led by France, and they've got a really good team. They really have. And they'll be four years older than they were now.
0: So there's a current trend at the moment where we see that um, the balance between attack and rugby and defence and rugby, I'd say sort of the defence is overpowered and it's becoming increasingly uh, difficult for the teams to sort of, the attacking teams to penetrate the lines of the defence. And I read an article recently saying that sort of, the, the lines and sort of the tactics that he employed in the 2003 World Cup is what we will probably see in the future for these attacking teams. Um, how do you see sort of the future of attacking rugby go?
1: Yeah, it's a good question, Matt. I mean, uh, I'm pretty passionate about this subject to be honest because if I just, I've been using, if I was going to coach you guys at Eton School, I promise you, the number one thing I say to you is say, right guys, we're going to play the game faster than anybody else has ever seen. We're going to play faster than you've ever played the game before. When I say faster, it doesn't mean like running around like headless chickens. It's just the speed you play the game at. In 2003, side and I had an interesting conversation with Maro Tojo the other day, which he looked to me like I was on another planet. I said, you know, we play the game, the 2003 team play the game so much quicker than you guys play uh, today. He looked at me. I said, what, what do you mean? I said, well, quite simply, let me just go through one scenario, this lovely thing called box kick. You watch the 2003 team play, we never box kicked, ever, ever. Because what happens today is, and just kind of, I can just see it now, you, you kind of win the ball, you go to a ruck, teams throw their own ball down. You know, the scrum half will go there, put his foot on the ball, stop the game, put people in position, set up a pod to take the ball up, but usually they kick the ball up in the air. Why do you want to kick the ball up in the air, get the ball 30 yards away? The opposition get it, they do the same thing, they kick it back in the box kick. And everyone just plays so slowly. So when I say play quick, I mean when, the, when you hit when you when you get to, when I say quick, for example, when you get to a ruck, you know the first person there just moves the ball. You don't slow the ball down. You don't You just play quick, quick, quick. And if you play quickly, the defenses can't organize quick enough. And you play quick over eighteen minutes. You're fit enough to play this way. You're going to win the game. So the speed of the ball from ruck is absolutely key. Uh, and forget all this pop kicking nonsense because I just don't get it. I just don't get it at all. If you're going to kick the ball, just smash it miles downfield downtown and put a chase on i don't see it and then you then you actually got some time to get yourself sorted out we want to play quickly we want to play quickly from scrums you know scrums to me to restart the game you know we had a fantastic scrum but our front our front row you know woodman um vickery thompson they could all play in the back row they were quick players they can pass the ball so we selected the team from one to 15 to play really quickly so the ball from the scrum goes in out away it's gone the ball from the line out the same thing ball goes in we win the ball bang it's gone we don't hang around we just speed the whole game up 22 dropouts everything's done quickly so you know people talk about lines of running and or offloads all this stuff great that's just a bonus but unless your mindset is going to go out there and play so quickly defense is going to win when you get two teams go out there we're both going to play slowly both focusing on defense you've just got an awful game of rugby you know and you and you, you saw that in the in the in, there were some great games in the World Cup headed by Japan. Japan, to me, made the World Cup because they just played the game so fast. And the Northern Hemisphere team, Scotland Ireland, couldn't live with them. And everyone said, so crikey, Japan have just beaten Scotland and Ireland. they beat beaten them because they played so quickly. Because 15 players who were well coached, had the fitness of their lives. And that's what we did in 2003. And it's funny, people look back at 2003 and you, you see these iconic figures of DeLalio and Johnson. They were quick. Martin Johnson for second row was quick. He was he was an amazing athlete, but he could move the ball. We just play the game so quickly. Just watch the game. I'd love to get, if you've got some time on your hands, just do an analysis about the amount of time the ball's in play in the 2003 team compared to the amount of time the ball's in play now. But more about the speed it's moving at. So you're not getting 20 phases of slow ball. Big deal. And I just think coaches don't get that. I, I totally get that. And I think, I think, and I'll say this, this is going to cause some headlines. I just think the. Um, You know, if you get more backs coaching the teams, you have a better game of rugby going on because the backs don't want to play flipping slowly and get smashed up by people. They want to play the quickly and run the ball around. But my view is forwards want to do that as well. Forwards want to play the ball around. They want to play quickly. Definitely. If you're going to go to rucks and just box kick, you've got a really rubbish game. I will not coach that way. And every team I've coached from Henley to London Irish to Bath so England and the twenty threes, England we all play quickly, we will won. Because if you get the right mindset going and players who want to play quickly, you you can win. And you know, defenses are totally on top of them because your opposition just plays so, so slowly. Does yeah. that make sense to you guys? Yeah, yeah that's
2: great. i
0: It's funny how you compare to Japan and um, England, in uh, two thousand three and Japan in the recent World Cup because they both I think had Calvin Morris involved and they both have that sort of Fast-paced, sort of fitness um element, but yeah. Sorry, Freddie
2: Um Yeah, so I think that's all we've got time for. But just one final thing, which we've asked in every podcast, is whoever our guest is, is their favourite moment in their career. You've obviously listed quite a few today, but if you had to pick one, which you wouldn't trade for anything, would it be that? I mean, obviously you
1: the, the, the obviously the World, the World Cup final is 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 a, yeah. is a magic moment, and Johnny's drop goal and all that stuff. But I, I would I would definitely say the put this way the best night of my career was winning in New Zealand, in Wellington. <laughs> that was one of the, just the best celebrations in a good way. I remember going out with all, not, not the players, I never went out with the players, but went out with all the coaching team. Mm. We went to this pub in, in Wellington, and the Kiwis were brilliant. They literally stood up and applauded us. And to go to New okay. Zealand, to sit in this, and the pub was called The, uh, the Hummingbird. So just to add some real detail to it, we went to a pub called The Hummingbird, which I've never been there before in my life but it was, it was in Wellington, and we spent the, the night there with the Kiwis, with all these New Zealand supporters, fans, mm. and they were just so good, and that was just one night you never, ever forget, and just to kind of, you know, just talk talk rugby with those guys, but the respect they showed you for having gone and won in New Zealand, and, you know, that's, that was probably my, if I could really live one night, that would be the one night I'd, I'd want to go back <laughs> to after beating New Zealand, was, was fantastic. Obviously, the World Cup final, Johnny's drop goal, that was, that was magic, but in terms of yeah. real rugby, to go to New Zealand and win was was pretty special.
2: Amazing, thank you so much, Sir Clive. Um, this has been awesome for us. I think our listeners yeah, are going to be up as well. <laughs> Freddie,
1: Matt, great to talk to you. Good luck with all your careers. Now you've thank actually left you heftie have, have you. you uh, guys yeah. Have yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, good, good luck whatever you're doing, and. You've got my contact details now, so if I can help in any way, just keep in touch and drop Perfect. your email.
2: Thank you so much. Thank you this all much.
1: over, we, we can actually meet up for a beer sometime. That would be beautiful. Yeah, we'd love <laughs> <Wonderful>. to. Anytime. <laughs> all right, mate. Good luck, guys. Thank Perfect. you. Thank, thank you very you. much. Bye. Bye-bye.
2: And once again, can we thank you, our listeners, for tuning in? I think we'll all agree so Clive was amazing, but next week we're going to go try and get even bigger and better. So until then, keep streaming, keep following us on Instagram for sneak peeks next week. We'll see you very soon.